Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, this is Surya. Welcome to A Voice for Love. And I'm very excited today to welcome my special guest, Rosalind C. Raindancer. Welcome. Hello, Surya. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. I, thank you so much for coming. Um, please tell everyone a little bit about you for anyone who doesn't know you. Oh, sure. Well, first and foremost, uh, I am your friend. Uh, we have been friends for, oh gosh, I don't know, like probably a decade already. Uh, and so I was born and raised in what I call the Hawaii of Asia um, in the Philippines. And when I was 12 years old, my family immigrated to uh, Vancouver, Canada. I have had a very um, entrepreneurial career. Uh, I started out uh, in marketing and um, eventually evolved to uh, business coaching. And uh, now I'm uh, growing my business to uh, become, uh, not, in addition to coaching, more of a lifestyle um, kind of brand to empower leaders and entrepreneurs to not only start and grow the business of their dreams, uh, but also create the lifestyle of their dreams. So, um, and I love cats. <laughs> Definitely a cat person, and I love talking about love. I love talking about love, too, and I'm actually excited that we're going to talk about this today because it isn't really a topic that I've touched on. You know, the, the, it's called a voice for love, so, you know, love is, like, such a broad thing, but we're actually going to talk a little bit about romantic love, and part of the reason is because you just got married. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, yes, that happened. And yes, it happened during the COVID pandemic, which I never, you know, a lot of girls, I'd actually never had the whole, you know, as a little girl dreaming about the white dress, you know, that I, I wasn't that kind of girl. But I definitely knew that I did want to get married uh, to a special soulmate and never in a million years did I imagine <laughs> that I would get married in the middle of a pandemic. So that was, that was quite an interesting experience, needless to say. Well, and it was beautiful. And thank you for honoring me. You, um, you, I was the, the MC for one of your online you wedding were, events. You were my MC, definitely. And uh, thank you so much. So, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a special role. And uh, I... I couldn't be happier that, you know, you were part of it. And it was so fun to just not only invite you to, you know, join and celebrate, uh, but to have you play a role. It was really special. And I'm so grateful. 
Oh, it was very special for me. Thank you. And I was telling everyone about it afterwards because I was just, as was everybody there, you could really feel the, the, the love and how much, not only the love and respect that everybody has for both of you, but just there's, there's something so beautiful about your union and it was really felt. And so I was really excited because, you know, sometimes I've been to weddings before where you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure here. Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to uh, make the best of this in the moment. I'm going to celebrate you, but I'm not really all that sure that this is going to go anywhere. And, you know, sometimes Sometimes those hunches have been right, but with your with with your love that you found and cultivated, it feels like such a really true, profound, um, and, and something very like childlike and cute and like sweet about it. You two are just like you're the cutest. So, yeah, please, I'd, I'd love to for you to share a little bit more about like how did this love develop? And well, I, I saw some of it, but yeah, please share with everyone. <laughs> okay, for sure. Well, you know, there's nothing better than a epic love story, right? And I feel like this is just the beginning. It sounds so cliche, but it absolutely feels like, you know, this is, this is just the beginning and the best is yet to come. And so our story, how it started, you know, it's, it's common to share about how the two of you met. And, you know, I mean, if I were to go that literal route, um, so Eric uh, and I met uh, on a dating app. And <laughs> I guess that's how a lot of people meet others. Yeah, I know some great, I know I've heard, you know, people do definitely meet in this day and age and I've heard, you know, terrible stories, but I've also, I do know a handful of like really incredible love stories that did develop online. So it is possible, everyone. It's possible. Oh yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And I mean, you know, now, well, I can say now, and I understand if, if, some folks are non-believers of online dating. Um, I can say now that if you have the right intentions and if you're authentic in how you put yourself out there and if you focusing if you focus on um, creating connections with interesting people, you know, I think there's a really great chance that you'll find um, that someone special. In my case, uh, I was actually someone who was very reluctant to do online dating. Um, I'm pretty old school. I mean, I have, yeah, I've always been old school. You know, I always prefer paper to screen. I prefer actual books, like, like paper books to like the Kindle. I prefer in-person gatherings versus virtual gatherings. So I was really reluctant to try the online dating, but after being single, though happily single, for about five years, and, uh, you know, and, and one of my uh, big goals in life is to, is to find my life partner and uh, start a family. So you know, I was kind of getting up there and I figured, you know, I had a little timeline, right? Um, if I didn't want to have children, maybe it'd be a different story, but uh, I wanted to uh, commit myself to uh, at least a journey, you know? Uh, so a friend of mine actually, uh, what she did was she she did as a, probably a lot of girlfriends do for their single friends. <laughs> she sat me down and just helped me to open up like an account, you know, uh, on a, on a dating app and, uh, helped me to write my profile. 
Now, um, I had actually since closed that one. So by the time I met Eric, it was my second round of online dating. Like I'd kind of gone on and then left and then I'd come back. And uh, yeah, so we met online and we, you know, one of the things that struck me about Eric's profile, and if, if you ever, if you're listening, you've ever done online dating, you know how it is. Um, and I think it's the same on either side. It's like, it kind of feels like this, I don't know, like a just market, you know, <laughs> like a, just like a marketplace, right? And there's tons of profiles to peruse and you don't, sometimes you're like, oh my goodness. And, you know, so it's, it's, it runs the gamut for sure, you know, of the types of people that you meet on the dating apps. And so it's super important uh, to create a profile that, you know, not only stands out, but it's, it's still true to who you are. So one of the things that stood out uh, for me anyways, about Eric's profile is just his sense of humor. Just really, <laughs> I mean, I was chuckling and laughing, uh, you know, at his opening line, you know, and I think one of his opening lines is like, did you know that 98.5% of men on OkCupid are, you know, less than 5.3 are bald? And he was saying, yeah, all these statistics, like, it was just hilarious. I mean, he's an engineer, so you can probably, you know, it's not surprising that he would use, like, statistics, but it was great. And uh, I loved how he just shared what his vision for uh, love life partnership is. And um, his profile felt really genuine. And my profile was essentially the same way. And so that's how we got connected. I messaged him first and I commented on one thing on his profile. And I remember still now, um, he mentioned the book, The Alchemist. Um by Paulo Coelho. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. Uh, and that just drew me in. There was something about him mentioning that book, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And I simply messaged him uh, without attachment. It just commented, oh, hey, that's, that's like one of my favorite books of all time. And a conversation started there. And then um, three weeks later, we were chatting online a couple times on the phone. And then three weeks later, we had our first date. And the rest was herstory. <laughs> <laughs> the rest was herstory. Well, I saw his, you showed, you shared his profile. Yes, it was yeah. a screenshot. It was Absolutely. pretty incredible. I was like, wow. I mean, I don't do online dating either, but I've seen it from like some of my friends' profiles. I've never seen that in depth of, I was like, wow, this is like, you could tell he put so much thought and care into it and that he really was, because you're right. You know, what I've seen of online dating is like, it does, it feels like a bit of a meat market or a bit of a, like, it's pretty, it's pretty strange. I've, I've, I've like, my girlfriends have allowed me to go on their profiles and like peruse and I just think it's like, it hasn't really made me want to go on there again myself I'm just like I don't know what's going on but there are you know there's different kinds of people online in general but in the relationship department of course some people are looking for real relationships and other people are looking for other things so it's important to weed to weed those things out so yeah and, and your wedding was just so beautiful and so inspiring and so the you know, one of the many cool things about you and Eric is that you come from completely different, both cultural and spiritual backgrounds. So can you share a little bit about that? What it was like, like, you know, both just like not just merging together, the two of you, but also, you know, creating a ceremony and an event that could honor everybody's um, backgrounds and traditions. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's a wonderful question. One of my favorite topics to talk about as well, because as you know, um, I myself, I grew up bicultural, so um, I am Chinese heritage, although recently I found out through genetic testing that I actually have um, a tiny bit of First Nations heritage, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not. Um, I think it's like 11%, which I'm like, whoa, blown away. How did that happen? Like First Nations from Canada? Um, no, it's like uh, Indigenous um, in Asia. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so I was. Um, my heritage is mostly Chinese, um, but I grew up in a different culture. You know, it wasn't the Chinese culture; it was the Filipino culture. I also grew up. Um, my mom was Christian uh, in faith, and my father was Buddhist. So from the very get-go, I just had this worldview of you didn't have to choose one, <laughs> you know. Um, although, you know, my, my parents had their own opinions about which path I should, you know, pursue and, you know, what it was right for me. Um, and, you know, ultimately, though, as a child, um, I just remember being very curious and open in general to to sort of the flavors and the cultures and the experiences that's available to me. Um, And so Eric himself, uh, he grew up in India, actually in the Punjab province. Uh, So he's Indian. And uh, he actually come from a tiny town called Amritsar, um, which is actually where the Golden Temple is. And I hope to be able to visit one day. It's, it's, it's actually been on my bucket list even before I met him. And now there's an even bigger incentive. And so, you know, from the get-go, um, I was already someone very open. And I can't speak for Eric, but I assume he was too. Um, he is of a Sikh faith. So um, uh, he is Sikh. And um, one of the common points of intersection between um, him and him and me is that, and that's really important, and I should just mention this from the get-go, is that um, in the Sikh faith, uh, they do believe in one God <laughs> and one God only. Um, so the other major uh, religion, you could say, in India is Hinduism. And Hinduism is, looks very different because <laughs> in Hinduism... Many gods. <laughs> yeah, so the Hinduism is like polytheistic. They believe in many gods. So I think if I had dated a Hindu, that might not have worked <laughs> just because I do believe in a, a one god um, as in the one um, sort of, yeah, universal benevolent intelligence and universal source. Uh, so that, that really, really helps. And um, when... Eric and I had our first date. One of the things that struck me about him and that really was like, wow, he really stands out from the rest was the way he asked questions. He was also very curious. And I think that's natural, you know, when you're getting to know someone, but just the way he asked questions just made me feel like I, and the way he listened made me feel like I want to share more and more of myself with him and the various sort of different experiences, life experiences that I've had, um, which in turn then made me more curious about him. So, so I truly believe that the, the curiosity is kind of a superpower, you know, like if you just like show up in life in general, in your relationships, even with your existing family members in your 
business in your workplace with like curiosity, it'll get you so, so far in terms of, you know, just like building relationships. Um, and so as we progress in the dating timeline, you could say, um, it became pretty apparent that um, we had individually had not, you know, similarities, of course, in terms of like values and where we want to go in life in terms of our vision, uh, but then also a whole lot of differences. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, culturally, you know, I had never, while I had uh, friends, I have a very close girlfriend who's uh, Indian heritage. I never dated someone who was Indian. So there was like a lot to learn. And one of the gateways to learning about another culture, and again, it's so cliche, uh, but I cannot help but mention this um, because I'm a foodie, is through <laughs> experiencing the cuisine. And so um, that became, and Eric happens to be, although I would have to say that um, it's not a competition or anything, but I have a feeling I'm a bigger foodie than he is. So... <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself now. <laughs> You're like, I'm the top foodie. <laughs> um, and so a lot of our dates, you know, thereafter, like after the first date, um, centered around trying different foods. And um, and also we love other foods, not just like Indian. And so he got to try like Filipino foods. And I would say it's all about curiosity and being open to learning, being open to growing. Um, so growth is one of our uh, biggest values within a relationship. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to bridge um, a lot of, like a lot of differences. You know, I'm not going to paint this rainbows and unicorns picture. Uh, there's, there's challenges to having an intercultural and <laughs> multi-faith uh, relationship because I, like Eric represents one faith, uh, but I consider myself uh, multi-faith. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's not without its challenges. Uh, but if you're curious and you keep an open mind and you have some skills and tools, uh, in terms of communication and, um, resolving some conflicts, then, then, you know, I think being in an intercultural, in a, yeah, I guess you could say intercultural relationship or cross-cultural relationship it is a real honor personally um I remember when I was younger and by younger I do mean in my early 20s <laughs> and I was dating at the time myself I never had you know some people have their preferences and that's totally cool I never put any kind of restriction or barrier around things like ethnicity, race, age, you know, things like that, or even like orientation. I mean, you know, because <laughs> um, uh, I was, yeah, I love people's souls. Like I love what was, mostly what was inside. I can't say, you, you know, I didn't have preferences for the outside, <laughs> but definitely, um, you know, it's, I think if we are more open-minded about who we relate to and who we love as someone who has dated what I call, <laughs> sometimes I joke <laughs> that I've dated the United Nations. I have dated 
a number of different um, cultures and faiths. So I've, I've dated Jewish, I've dated a, a Muslim man. Like I've, I've, and I've dated someone who was an atheist. Like it was, it's wild. Like what you can learn if you make your relating and your loving um, something that crosses like perceived barriers and borders. And I, I think it can really enrich not only your life, but it raises the vibration for humanity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I can relate so much to that. I think we're similar in that way. I've also been in always relationships with people who are different cultures, different faiths, and not just one, like a whole bunch. And I was, um, I was married for a short period of time, as you probably remember, but um, my husband was, my ex-husband was actually Muslim. And so that was oh. interesting because mm-hmm. although we believe differently, because I, like you, also am very like God-centered and divine, that was one of the sort of like the hearts of our relationship, even though we didn't believe exactly the same we could always bring it back to both of us had strong faith in God and you know that type of thing and having that type of faith and belief so even though we didn't believe different and then it was interesting because he was from Senegal so in Senegal I guess it's mostly a Muslim country but there are some Catholics and Christian people Mm -hmm. and they intermarry very freely it's not a big deal it's not a big issue if they want to be together it's nobody cares everybody just you know loves each other you know supports one another and they just keep going you know so that was very interesting whereas you know in some places it can be very taboo to marry outside of your culture and even for you know um you know you know like in the South Asian or Indian Mm -hmm. heritage as well you see there there's a lot of intermarrying and I experienced that as well you know I was dating somebody who was Hindu actually and I felt very much so that um part of the hesitation on his part was that I was not and he would say to me like if I had been to marry into that family I would have been the only non-South Asian you know Indian Hindu person in that family and that was a bit of a you know it was a bit of a thing you know that wasn't exactly and it's so funny to think that even in this day and age like in Vancouver of all places where we're like such a multicultural place that you know for some people it can be it can be an issue but I'm like you too it's like it's about a soul connection right it's something that keeps coming to me for some reason is like nobody knows what color you're, you are in the dark. It doesn't matter. You know, it's a, it's a soul thing, right? Like, I don't know why that, like, it just keeps coming to me all the time. It's like, and, and God doesn't care what color we are. God doesn't care about any of these things. It's only humans that have made us, has made it into this big thing. And now it's understandable why some people do have preferences. Maybe they want to be with somebody like them or different from them for whatever reason. And you know, I think it's great to have preferences, but I also think it's wonderful to be open. So I'm happy. And there's, there's so much juice there, you know, like if you can, and like you said, if you have the tools and you have to have the willingness too, because some people just aren't willing to put in that kind of work. But I think in the long run, you can actually learn so much more and potentially like grow because love is something that grows, right? I think, you know, a lot of people, they like rush into something and they get married and then the, you know, it falls apart because we forget that like, especially like a marriage, it literally means that love is blossoming. It's not meant to be like, you know, it, this is what happens sometimes people have these really quick starts and then it like tapers off and then it's like, oh, it's not like it used to be. Well, that's not really what the love is. The love is that like, you know, the commitment that you put in and the love and, and, you know, the work sometimes and the, you know, getting through the, the challenging parts because we're all human, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that uh, you mentioned it. I've actually never heard of it. I love it when you say, oh, you know, like, you know, you just like turn off the lights and you can't even tell like we all look the same. I love that because, because, you know, I I think we're living in a time 
where people are wanting, like people are challenging these notions of even the very notion of like, where did this whole race thing come from? And, you know, like the social, like the social constructs of race and like, you know, uh, gender, even now, you know, gender is being challenged. And um, I do believe that we're, I mean, it's been happening for a while, I'd say for the last 10 years, but I think um, the world is awakening to a new way of being um, that's less about defining yourself uh, from external uh, things, you know, um, the things outside of you. And in general, we're just tapping more into our hearts and our souls. And and I know this is something that um, is, you know, completely up your alley as well and in your belief system. You know, when you're when you're talking about heart and soul, like you're it's like beyond any of those definitions. Thank right? you. <laughs> um, and it's it's also beyond time and it's beyond time and space as well, which is a whole other topic. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, so absolutely and and um, there's a there's a funny story that I was reminded of uh, you know, going back to the whole culture piece. Um, and so you know, it's not obvious from my name now, uh, but I do have Asian heritage. <laughs> and uh, that is still a huge part of who I am. It's such a funny story. I, I remember a time when, um, so my parents, uh, bless their hearts, uh, they're very mm, conservative. <laughs> And they're, you know, I was raised quite traditional and um, you, 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 you are to be an obedient child and you go to school and you get good grades and you go to college and you get a good job and you find a good man and, <laughs> you know, all of that, right? I think we all know um, what that looks like and um, they have you know, a preference, like they would have liked me to marry into, if not actual Chinese uh, family, um, I think they would have liked it if I married into an Asian family. And when I was looking and evaluating my dating history during the time that I was single for five years, and, and again, super happily so, because I spent most of my 20s kind of like, I think I was a bit of a, I don't know if I'm going to get, <laughs> get flames thrown at me for saying this, but I was a bit of a serial monogamous in my 20s. And then I kind of took a break for five years um, in my early 30s. And um, I was looking at the, the people that I dated and I realized not one of them were Chinese. And so in my own way of, you know, sometimes I like to like push the envelope even with myself, I was like, wait a second. I think I'm going to go date a Chinese person just, just because, because, because I don't want it to seem like I am, you know, antagonizing my parents. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm open to it. I'll give it a yes. try. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And so it's not that I was, I didn't consciously not date a Chinese person, but I think, you know, I think a lot of people and even Eric himself would say, and in my conversations with friends and even some of my clients, sometimes we do talk about love lives and that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, and sometimes when you're from that culture, there's a little bit of like an aversion to dating within 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense because you, you are aware of the shadows. You know what I'm saying? So I did go ahead and do that. And actually very, very sweet man, um, you know, Canadian born um, Chinese man. Uh, it didn't work out. You know, we, we lasted only five months, but I was like, that was a beautiful experience. That was like a beautiful learning experience. And now I know that like, I'm not, there isn't anything about me that was antagonizing. Does that make sense? So, you know, there was that. And, um, and, you know, ultimately um, my father, this is kind of a little plot twist, um, you know, within my own parents and their dynamic, I always thought I would have a hard time um, I guess, uh, enrolling my father in my choice of a spouse. <laughs> Cause in my view, he was the more conservative one. Um, but actually in, um, so Eric and I, uh, in 2019, uh, about a year and a half ago, we did make trip to Asia because for those of you who don't know, um, my father does live in Asia. He's not, um, in, uh, North America, and it's been that way for, for uh, almost 20 years now. And so it was important for me, for Eric to meet my father, you know, the whole meet the parents, right? And when we made the trip, I was surprised, you know. I mean, he was himself and he did the whole sizing things up and a little bit of awkwardness and all that. But he was very, he was surprisingly accepting. And uh, I'm not sure what changed. Uh, so that was, that made me really happy. And so we went there specifically to honor. There is a tradition in my culture of if, if a man wanted to marry a woman, um, they would, well, before he would propose to the woman, um, he would go to the woman's father or closest male kin uh, to ask for the hand. And while you know, me being this like modern progressive feminist woman who grew up in Canada, essentially. Um, I did not really believe that I was like, you know, anything like my father's property or anything like I didn't, I didn't subscribe to that, but because it was important, I knew it was important for my father and it was important culturally. Eric was like willing to fly thousands of miles you know, to, to, to do that. And, you know, it wasn't easy either. He like didn't know what to do. And I was figuring it out with him. There was a lot of discomfort and awkwardness, not to mention jet lag and <laughs> all of that. Um, but it, I'm so glad I did that, you know, even though it was really inconvenient, you know, I, yeah, it's something that I'm proud of to this day. I hope he appreciated it. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. And I think that's also a testament to Eric's wonderful, I don't know, he's just like, if you feel comfortable sharing what won me over, well, he already won me over anyway. But like when you shared at the reception, how the special date that he took you on. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) That was like, I was like, okay, this guy, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just next level. If you don't mind sharing, I think it's such a cute story. Oh, sure. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, I think it'd been like uh, close to six months. I can't remember now. Close to six months of our dating. And uh, he, it's, it's also always been one of my, you could say, girlish, womanlish, ladyish, uh, sort of 
desires, you know, it's like to be whisked away on a vacation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of women can relate. Um, and that to me is, is part of the romance. Right. And so, um, one day he just like said, Oh, um, we're going to go on a weekend getaway. And, uh, you know, I'm like all over weekend getaways. You know, I like taking myself, I go on solo weekend getaways. Okay. So, so if someone was going to take me, um, I was like over the moon and I really thought it was going to be, um, since, you know, we're living here in British Columbia, we have like such an abundance of nature and forests and mountains and like so many islands to visit. I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to go on a romantic getaway on a, maybe one of the Gulf Islands or something. And I was like so excited. And then <laughs> on the day of, he made sure I like packed my bags and he made sure I knew how many days we were going to be away. So it was actually an extended weekend, four days. And then he was like, make sure on the, the morning of, he's like, make sure you bring your passport. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't think. And you know, at the time, it had only been six months. And yes, while I trusted him, I was like, I didn't, you know, <laughs> totally. gonna get, on, get on a plane with this person, you know, but you know, anyways, and then I found out we're growing cross continental to Europe. So we ended up going to uh, England and had, I must say, um, short of going to India itself, probably the best Indian food I've ever had in my life it is in England, which totally makes sense. And uh, then we went to Iceland um, for a quick, <laughs> quick bunny ears <laughs> getaway. And we're back here. So we left on a Thursday and then we're back on the Monday. And I was just so impressed. Like his idea of a weekend getaway was to grow cross continental and it really spoke to, um, I don't know if he was, maybe he was listening. I don't know. Maybe he was, which is, would be amazing because one of my dream, you know, sort of lifestyles, lifestyle vision is to be able to do that, you know, to be able to, if we feel like it, go to Europe and come back within a weekend. That's like my ideal. So that was, that was pretty fun. And uh, there was a lot of little things, but that definitely, he got a, major, major brownie points for that. Well, I want to go back to actually the piece that you said about him, because I think this is huge, especially for women and men, that he listened really well and he was curious. Because I know for all the men listening out there and for the ladies too, I know, and it's one of my pet peeves with guys too and men, is like they often don't listen. They don't really care about what you're doing. They care about themselves and they want to show you and tell you about what they're doing, and which is okay. nice, of course, like you want to. But um, that's also for me always a good sign of a man is someone who asks questions and who's genuinely interested in what I'm doing because my experience has been that um, you know many times for whatever reason and it's not that they're not interested but they're really more into their own you know when they say that about men and women you know men are inherently a little bit more selfish and women are like more compassionate and nurturing and I think that's part of the balance that we're trying to find during this time too as we kind of like transition out of the patriarchy is that we're moving into a, a different space where the feminine is being more honored and a big part of that is actually listening and like do you know what your woman likes like do you know what you know what kind of things she likes to do and do you want to support her in that or are you just because the very patriarchal way is like the man is the man and, and the woman supports the man you know and like it's like oh it's about all what he's doing but you know we're asked we're being asked to shift into something else so for me 
like a man who's a good listener and who's, you know, actually shows interest and even just checks in little is, is always a good, is always a good sign. Mm-hmm. Well, I could not agree more. And I might add that, um, I've had to learn a few things about how to show up as a woman to inspire a man to lean in. Does that make Ooh, sense? Yes, do um, share. And- <laughs> I'm like, share with us. This is juicy. And this is, this is a, that's, I'm not sure what you're going to say exactly, but I, I think I, there's, I could speak to this as well. And it is something that we do have to learn because women and men have learned certain roles that we have to un learn and there are certain ways that we can both men and women can help you know do do you know act in certain ways and and ask the right questions to really get the best out of their out of their partner so I'd love to hear mm-hmm. what you, you learned if you're open to sharing <laughs> oh absolutely I mean you know this could be a whole book or, or whatnot um, and I, I didn't really expect to go here but I think I think it's relevant to what we're sharing here and I really hope it will you know, um, really help and uh, inspire some of the women, especially listening. And that is, um, so I had a pretty disastrous dating life (laughs) um, when I was younger. And um, I don't mean to paint kind of a negative picture when I say disastrous. There were definitely a lot of good parts. Uh, When I say disastrous, I did mean though that... um, it seemed to always like end with me feeling rejected or abandoned. Like, I don't know if you can relate to that. Oh yeah. I think, (laughs) well, this is is a whole other topic, but this, this does happen a lot with men and women because, and I read a whole book on it and I was like, what? There's a book that my uh, Marina lent me and it's called the path of the Empress. And it actually, Mm -hmm. um, it's based on like Taoist principles and it's actually details some of the, the practices of this. I can't remember her. She was one of the old empresses of China, but she was very powerful. And it was like all these things that she did to cultivate Mm -hmm. energy. But they actually talk about that, how men mostly unknown, but some knowingly, like they literally steal energy from women and that's what happens. And then once they get um, kind of a piece of your energy, then they take off and they're gone and then they go on to their next conquest. And that is why we end up feeling all of these things like rejected. Mm. And, and, and I was like, why didn't I see this? I'm like, I feel like I could have caused that. Like I could have saved myself decades of heartache if I had known this at the time because it was so well, well put. But yeah, I can absolutely, absolutely relate. Yeah. So yeah. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for all those times you experienced you know, I definitely have my um, warrior badges in that too. Um, so, and the reason for that, you know, and, and I'm sure you can kind of relate to this and appreciate. Um, so as someone who really values um, doing her inner work, I really dug deep. I really dug deep. And while it wasn't new to me, I had to kind of heal a really sort of, corner, really dark corner of my heart um, that had to do with my father wounding um, and, and that, that actually connects with my cultural legacy. So in the Chinese culture, there is, uh, there is still, um, and it was very prominent in my family of, you know, like having boys is like way better than having girls. Mm. Um, and so I had basically the rejection wound from birth. And then my father, he was such a good man and he 
tried his best to be, I think, you know, a good husband and a great provider. However, he wasn't very present with me. You know, he just didn't know how. So I experienced, looking back, you know, I experienced a lot of sort of like lack of attunement and emotional abandonment just because there I was this like bright, shiny, wild little girl who like just wanted to create and play and love. And, you know, he was like too busy with his business to do that, to like relate to that. Um, so I had to really go back and it, it wasn't easy and it's like kind of ugly actually you kind of like dredge up like all of your <laughs> childhood wounds uh, but I learned that we as adults we tend to repeat and replicate how we were treated by our parents or primary caregivers and if we have a wounding in those areas then um, this is how we will treat ourselves. So there's a way in which I was rejecting and abandoning myself first and foremost. And then that was showing up and how I was showing up in my dating life. And so once I was able to kind of heal that part of those parts, actually there's, there's at least two major parts of myself and come to a place of wholeness. So it wasn't until... I came to a place of wholeness within myself that I was able to show up as like truly authentically, like, you know, this is my heart. And I was able to fully, um, how do you say this? Uh, you know, the expression unconditionally love, right? Mm. Like, like loving someone unconditionally. Um, so in my experience, I wasn't really able to do that if I was showing up and dating, looking for someone to make me feel okay or to, to, to heal that for me. Does that make sense? It's like I had to do that work. And I'm not saying it's like a one-off thing, but there was something so profound that there was a huge piece of the puzzle that kind of got kind of clicked together for me when, oh my gosh, I, I, when I actually reconciled all my baggage with the church as well that I grew up in. And I actually came into true right relationship in my relationship with God um, and kind of made that my foundation. And then shortly after, actually, I met Eric. And every, honestly, every other relationship before that, um, you know how sometimes there's these defining epic defining sort of uh, cornerstones in our lives. If we think about, hey, what was the world like pre-COVID <laughs> versus post-COVID? For me and my love life, it was when I got into right relationship with the divine within my heart and soul. And a lot of people think, a lot of people who are like spiritual and I'm like, I feel connected and, and everything. They think they've got it. But, you know, for me, there was like a kind of a deeper, deeper layer that I had to like sink into and surrender. And it was only after that, then I met Eric and I was able to actually have a relationship that was truly loving and harmonious and truly like having a soulmate. Does that make sense? The, the rest of them were what I would call like wound mates. 
Oh, I love that you're bringing this up so much because I like literally just got off the phone with a client earlier and I can't tell you how many times this comes up in, in both with friends, but also in sessions because so many people who, you know, want to talk to a healer or intuitive or whatever, it's like, they want to know about love and everybody's looking for love. And the answer from spirit is always similar. And I feel like a broken record sometimes. And it's so kind of cliche, but it's like, if you are looking for somebody outside of you or something outside of you to fulfill what you have not fulfilled in yourself, it is not going to work. You are not going to be happy. You think that you're craving this relationship and it's biological, of course, like we crave connection with somebody else, but what is that? And I see it and feel it so often with people. And it's like, you know, and everybody's just like yearning for this, you know, and you know, we all want love and it is one of the most beautiful things that we can end challenging, right? At the same time, but people forget that people only glamorize. They're like, I just, I'm going to, meet my partner and everything's going to be amazing. And like, as you know, it's, it is sometimes, and sometimes it's work and all of these things. But, um, I love that. That is so powerful. And isn't that beautiful that as soon as you really shifted that in yourself, then something, and then can I ask like, and Eric is probably different from the guys that you were attracting and with mm-hmm. before, right? He mm-hmm. was probably not the same type of person that you were attracted when you were running that. And that's really powerful, by the way. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty powerful that you had that experience. Like, that feels like, it feels like, like, the rejection from birth, especially in, in that culture, in Chinese culture. It's true. I mean, sometimes they throw girl babies off of the, they just dispose of them, you know? Like, it's not... That's a really, and it's interesting. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think that you went into becoming an entrepreneur in some like weird subconscious reason because of your dad? Cause you're, by the way, Rosalind is like, you're like a kick-ass entrepreneur. She like goes into like, you do big things, like big things with CEOs and like on, on high level too. And you're very good at what you do. So I'm curious, like if you're, if you're able, like if you're open to sharing a bit of that, is that, was that conscious motivation or unconscious or? Oh, sure. Oh my gosh. Like, this is so awesome, by the way. I love just because everything is connected, you know, when I first met you. And in fact, I think I even had a couple of sessions with you and I had a massage session or whatever, right? Like, we've worked together a little bit um, a number of years ago. And I remember you would always say, well, everything is connected. (laughs) Everything is connected. And um, yeah, absolutely. Everything is connected. And especially... With regards, with regards to stories around love and business and family. Um, so I did grow up in an entrepreneurial family. However, as I shared before, I had a huge wounding around my father. Um, him being an entrepreneur himself and growing up in an entrepreneurial family where the stress, the constant, constant, stress and burnout, like, you know, of entrepreneurship was just, it was like, I think it was kind of just like this, like big elephant in the room, like all the time. And, um, one of my biggest wounds that I had to work through was how, you know, I wasn't important. I was like one of my biggest victim stories was like, I wasn't important. I'm not as important as my father's business. And, um, long story short, while on both my mom and dad's side, their family, so my, my father started his own manufacturing company, like a, essentially like a factory, like brick and mortar. And then on my mother's side, her family was actually in uh, retail and jewelry. <laughs> While with all of that going on, you know, and as a child, I grew up after school. I remember instead of going to play in the, you know, play with my friends, I get shuttled off to one of the businesses 
<laughs> and be put to work. Like, it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> and, but little did I know, I didn't appreciate it until, you know, when I had just come out of university and I um, got my first job and probably my only job uh, with the government of all places. Can you imagine me working for <laughs> being like a government worker. Um, long story short, quickly burnt out. Um, ironically, though, I was so programmed, even being born and raised in an entrepreneurial family that, you know, go to school, get good grades, get a job. It was like I was so programmed for that, that I did all of that and then discovered it wasn't for me. And so when I was about 25, I think that was when, yeah, I, I burned out from my government job. I just ventured out on my own and I started, I actually started consulting. Um, I became a marketing consultant and um, then got involved with a number of different projects and ventures and kind of like evolved from there. Uh, but what I would say um, was key for me, I think, and, you know, I started to work with clients, helping them with their marketing. And it quickly became obvious to me that they needed more than just marketing. They needed they needed coaching. And so once I discovered that, I made sure I got trained and I got skills to do that. And over time, you know, and this is kind of funny that I talk about it now um, because I can look back at the 10 years. I um, discovered <laughs> over time that, oh my goodness, I was trying to work out my wounds in my business. Can you relate to this? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think I say this a lot. Like I feel like entrepreneurship is an extension of our spiritual growth. Like if you want to know, like it's, it, it will tell you everything. And I'm constantly coming to this um, realization. So, you know, entrepreneurship is definitely not for everyone. And it really is a, yeah, it's, it's a journey. Oh, <laughs> will teach, yeah. Absolutely. I also believe entrepreneurship is actually one of the best paths to growth and, 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 and a sacred path. You know, that's, that's what I believe that was, that was, uh, you know, a lot of what my messaging was about with my old brand, the conscious CEO experience. Uh, but just to kind of, um, close the loop on my story, I, it hit me, you know, like I think in year three of my conscious CEO brand, I was like, my ideal client is my father. <laughs> Wow. You know, and so there I was, I was there like supporting them and like cheering them on and helping them grow as a leader and as a CEO of their company. And, and, and there I was like in the middle of it all and I was good at it. And, and isn't it funny though, because, you know, I'm sure you've heard the expression where our wounding is, is our greatest gifts. Right. And so I was, that was my gift. Like I was good at what I was, what I was doing and yet there was a part of me that still hadn't worked out that wounding and it was like playing over and over again. So for every client that I got, there was a little piece of that little girl, you know, and while I was able to help and impact and support a lot of people and it was like so rewarding, after about five years, I had kind of grown and kind of healed to a point where that was no longer exciting for me anymore. Does that make sense? I, I, I no longer align with that anymore. And so, which actually then brings me to close to the present time around COVID time, which was perfect for me because I had been wanting to rebrand and reinvent and kind of evolve and 
grow to the next level of like, well, what do I want to create as my body of work? And um, COVID was like the perfect container for that. So yeah, absolutely. I find I have a lot of girlfriends. I call them business girlfriends too. Um, And, you know, women that are, are like amazing, just absolutely amazing in terms of not only their heart and soul, but like their competency, like their skills in like coaching and healing arts and creative arts and just like, my gosh, like just amazing gifts. Um, and many of them, you know, um, they're, they're working out. And we've actually, I've had another conversation with a business girlfriend about this. It's like, she's like, yeah, I don't know what's happening to me. I feel like I'm having a business crisis because it's like no longer working for me anymore. And so if you are, if you are, um, you know, heartbreak, heart, heart brace, heart based, entrepreneur or if you're in a kind of service business like that here's a little whisper from the CEO whisperer if there's something in your business that's really not working and you feel like everything is falling apart and you don't know who you are anymore and you feel like you're having a business crisis it's okay it's actually a good thing it means you've grown past whatever it is you were working out you know, in the last two, three, five, even 10 years of your business. And it means that it's time for you to replant to a bigger pot, to a different pot. Oh, I love that planting pot analogy. And it's so true. And it can be because it can be so tempting to stay where we are and we might hit like level off on one place. But then it's and again, that's the thing. That's why entrepreneurship is like its whole own like journey, like a spiritual journey, because we have to keep, you know, tuning in and seeing like, are we meant to stay here? Are we meant to evolve? And it can be hard and and people, you know, people like being in their comfort zones. So I like that. It's time to plant, replant yourself. Yeah. Find a different pot. In fact, dream yourself a new vision of a garden instead of just a pot. Uh, And, and and think of it like, you know, at my wedding, circling back to my wedding, um, I, well, Again, I didn't expect to share this, but I, I think it's important. Um, you know, there are so many of us, yourself included, um, that are leaders and founders and visionaries, really, you know, change makers and um, big dreamers. Uh, so people who, who come with a calling, right? Who come with a calling. Um, I know it's not easy. It's actually never been easy. You know, like to live our personal lives at the same time to make sure we, we go out there and give our gifts, right? It's, it's definitely not an easy path. Um, and, you know, at my wedding, while it was a very personal, it was a very personal event, I consider it part of like my bigger business vision and uh, one of the most hardest, 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 and I, I hope that is not the case for anyone else. Um, you know, about my wedding was that, you know, one of my parents like was not, so my father was supportive and, but then my mother wasn't. So I had the experience of not having a mother with me throughout the whole process, like someone who 
would be excited, you know, for me and go shopping with me for my dress and, and to help me plan a decor and, you know, all those things that you wish that you would think and wish your mother would, would walk with you and, and walk with you on that, on that whole process. Like it's a big, anybody who's been a bride knows what that's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a big undertaking. So no matter how small a wedding you do, it still feels like this big thing. So, um, you know, I had to, I, I feel it's important for me to say this is, and it is connected to love. And that is like, if you're someone who is living your life or expressing yourself a little bit differently than most people, I want you to know that first of all, it's totally okay. <laughs> and that in fact, you know, keep doing that, whatever it is you're doing, keep following your soul's calling, whatever your heart wants to express and give to the world. And I know what it's like to not have support um, that, that you would expect would come from the obvious places like your family, you know, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs with kind of like these innovative and interesting and kind of wild and crazy ideas for how they want to say, you know, birth their business or their venture. Um, I know that a lot of times not everyone is supported and even, you know, even family is not. So I just want you to know that you can, despite the pain and the trauma, really, like it's very traumatic when, um, say, you know, a family member is not supportive and they decide to, you know, um, do things to like sabotage or just, you know, instead of pouring positive energy, pours negative energy into it, you know, like it's kind of, bizarre but like I'm just saying that's real too that's real and it does happen and I want to normalize that I want to normalize um that it happens and it happens in entrepreneurship and so um your charge as a visionary and as a leader is to not just like not give up but see yourself like a lot stronger than that and see yourself transcending that. And I want you to know that you can create your own, your own place of belonging first and foremost inside yourself. And then secondly, with people around you who do get you, who do support you, who do resonate, who can get behind you. So for my wedding, because I didn't have literally because of COVID, because my father is in a completely different continent, because my sister is in Calgary, because of all of the travel restrictions, the reality with my wedding, as epic as it was, <laughs> and, and I'm so happy, by the way, about how it all turned out um, truly epic. I had huge grief around my family not being there to witness um, and, and, and one family member not being supportive at all. And I decided that I would create a surrogate eldership. Like I needed my elders there. So in my culture and in many cultures around the world, 
that are more intergenerationally focused. Um, I needed my elders. I needed people who can kind of usher me into this new transition. So I created my own surrogate eldership of the Wise Women Council, um, a truly beautiful and special group of women that I already knew. And they presented this poem called The Garden of Love. And I just want to circle back to this whole idea of the garden of love, you know, and, and, oh my gosh, I'm going to reference as a way to kind of wrap everything up in a bow. I'm going to reference my Christian um, heritage. You know how in the Bible, it opens up with the garden of Eden, the story And I never really kind of got that. I mean, I thought it was a nice kind of analogy, you know, as a child, I thought it was a nice story, Uh, but I never really got that. I didn't have a deeper understanding until now, you know, what, what has come to me recently, especially with regard to the subject of love is that like, we are in this, like, we are like the, the seeds and the roots and the plants in this like garden. And like, God is like the soil, (laughs) And so, um, and that like, no matter how like kind of, you know, like unsupported or um, rejected or abandoned or whatever is going on for you that you feel in your human existence right now, just remember that um, you cannot not be planted. You cannot not be rooted you are like a child of God, you know? And, and that's something that I've had to learn, like because of so many different like woundings from my family of origin, especially intergenerationally, not just this generation. Um, I've learned to really like trust in God's love. And it's only through that, it's only in that surrender that I was able to really then create, you know, more loving relationships with like human beings in this life. So that's how I would describe it. I hope that makes some sense. Amen. No, it it makes perfect sense. And that's exactly, that is what it is. And I think about this all the time because it's like, we're constantly looking to humans for love. It's very natural. We look to our parents. We look to our, I'm just to like add a little, I won't, uh, I, I actually have another entrepreneur friend who you, you may know, I won't, I won't say who it is now, but um, her parents actually showed up to her wedding in another country and like attempted to full on sabotage the whole thing. She told me the whole story and it was, but for her, it was the final piece in the, of a lifelong pattern of these types of behaviors. And unfortunately she just showed up with parents that do these types of things had done these things to her her whole life and she just saw it once and for all you know this is what they didn't show up to support me they showed up to try to destroy me but yet it was so interesting because it was here she is on the cusp of starting a new life with her partner and her husband who's very you know very positive very they have a wonderful partnership together and that was just what it was so and so this is the thing we're looking for this unconditional love with humans and I always tell people this I'm like humans most humans are not capable of giving us that because they have never experienced it and they do not know what that is so the only person the only being that can give us that unconditional love 
is God. So the more you, whatever name you call God, whatever your tradition is, you know, and that's where it can be, you know, very universal. So that's what, and then that's very much my path too. And because I learned this the hard way as well too. So, so now I know, and it's, it's, it's more comforting for me. So like, I know I don't expect certain things out of humans. Yes. I meet the odd human, you know, and I'm very blessed to know many very highly evolved, beautiful, spiritual human beings that are capable of a very high level of love. And that's beautiful. And I also see them in their humanness too. And that means that anytime they can, they could get triggered. We could have a falling out. We could have, but it doesn't, you know, I just keep, I, I bring it back to God. So for me, I, I, I that, that is so beautiful. And I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you shared that because um, that really is the full circle of it. And, you know, yes, we are looking for, and they, and they teach that in Christian. I, I learned a little about this um, from, from times that I've spent in the church as well. And I, and I still attend a church and I'm like you, I'm multi-faith as well. So but <laughs> they teach that in the church, you know, like mm-hmm. God has to be the center of the relationship. The relationship yes. has to be centered around God. And, and to me, it yes. makes perfect sense. I'm like, if, cause if you don't have that, then what do you have really? It's just like two humans, like lost. I see like ships passing each <laughs> other in the night you know like hey and you're trying to stop but it's like no you need to uh remember who's who's driving the boat right oh yeah for sure for sure um I once I it's it was a process and for those of you who are still kind of like a white knuckling gripping the wheel of your life and like no I want I had to surrender I was like I am not gonna be in the driver's seat and honestly, it wasn't until then that like life started to flow. You know, it's so funny. Humans are so funny. We're funny. We're funny beings. We are so fun. We are beyond funny. I don't even know. Well, you can see what we are because of what happens on in this world and the planet and what people, humans have done to each other and continue to, to, to do to one another throughout history. And yes, there's always been a smaller group of people who are, you may be more highly evolved or spiritual or trying to, we're here trying to help sort things out. But for the most part, yeah, we do have a long, we got a long way to go, but it's also not even that complicated. And you know this as well. And I think anyone who has a relationship with the divine knows this again no matter what tradition they're from no matter what name they call god if you know god you're already on a different trajectory because like i say this to people all the time i'm like i don't know where i would be in my life without god because there are some situations many in life actually they don't make sense they're painful they suck they're unfair it doesn't seem right you know but we don't know only only god knows and if we just you know the more you put your faith in god and god will also like take us through those troubled waters Mm -hmm. but god will also hold us through those, you know, as well. So for me, I'm like, for people that don't have some kind of God or spirituality in their life, I really don't understand how they, like for me, I mean, it's just my way. It's like, I I have to, like the divine has been the only thing that's gotten me through so many things that I've been through, you know? And I know that for other people, it's not the same, but it kind of makes me sad because I'm like, you know, guys, life's better with God. Again, and whatever, whatever name you call God, whatever religion you practice or spirituality or lack of it, you know, like everyone can cultivate a relationship with the divine. And that is huge, especially in a partnership and then if you have two people that also, um, you know, are with the divine and it's so beautiful. Cause I, you know, I feel in Eric too, like you both have your own connection and it's a different connection, but you can meet, um, you can also meet in the middle. So, so I know that this is, this is, um, um, you were mentioning just before we like wrap it up here that maybe this has sort of turned into a little bit of a, like a small vision for you, but maybe something that you would like to support others with as well. If people are, you know, trying to put together, you know, or, you know, navigating multicultural and multi-faith mm-hmm. ceremonies, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, 
right now, uh, my work is still focused around uh, supporting and empowering uh, leaders and entrepreneurs with their businesses, of course. Uh, but you might have noticed if you have known me for some time, or even if you're new to me, that um, I'm really uh, wanting to have a lot more fun and uh, providing also more lifestyle offerings. And so uh, I just invite, uh, you know, if you're listening and you resonate uh, that, uh, or if you're planning a wedding, you know, um, or if you're wanting to start and grow your dream business or uh, shifting your careers to be more aligned with your heart and soul uh, calling, then, um, you know, you can feel free to reach out. Um, I'm over at raindancerhome.com. And I had a little idea, you know, if you are in the middle of a still, we're still kind of in the middle of COVID. I think people think that we're out of it, but we're really not yet. <laughs> um, if you're planning a wedding and um, you could use the support around how to uh, envision and navigate and coordinate and plan, um, especially if you're uh, intercultural or multi-faith, um, you know, I'd love to support you in that, you know, it's, it's kind of unofficial, uh, right now. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's, that's an offer out there for if, if, you know, that resonates with you. And, um, if my story inspires you, then I'm happy to help. And your wedding was like so beautiful, by the way, even though, you know, it was done online. I mean, I, I didn't, not really anybody was there live except for like a few, like a <laughs> couple of handful of family members because of COVID, but it was so beautiful. You did your traditional, like a Sikh ceremony and then you did more like a Christian interfaith ceremony and they were, yes. they were both so, so beautiful and so, so touching, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what, I mean, again, it's not up to me. Everybody's got to, got to like live their own life, but like, I don't know. I feel like that's what God wants from us too. God wants, even this, when we get into this whole thing about even sometimes, you know, people and their paths and their faiths and whatever, like even there, I'm like, God doesn't care what faith we are. Like God doesn't own any, God created all of the faiths and all of the paths so that we could all have a different way to know the divine. And our job as humans, the way I see it anyway, is to find peace and respect for others, regardless if we believe the same or not, and then to find the commonalities. So I feel that, you know, interfaith marriages and are, are, are so beautiful, you know? I feel like they Aww. make God happy. <laughs> yeah, well, this is kind of a funny tidbit. Like when I was a little girl or even as a kind of young woman, I always, I don't know why, but I always knew that my children would be like, um, would be uh, mixed heritage. Mm. You know, it's like, I just felt like it was in my path. Like, you know, and um, I'm reminded of that movie that uh, actually is not a movie. It's a Netflix documentary called The Biggest Little Farm. You know, that, that um, story about the, um, the couple who uh, just kind of went on a limb and started a farm. Um, I truly believe that diversity is divine. And yes. um, there is a reason. I mean, there is so much diversity, not just biodiversity, but diversity in uh, human beings and cultures and, and the ways that we express our love of the divine or, or what have you, you don't even have to call it God, just, just this like bigger power outside of yourself, you know, like the universal principle governing, you know, like it's just like divine order. Um, there's diversity in like languages. Um, having grown up, like it's normal in a lot of places in the world to be multilingual. And I, I truly believe, you know, with everything happening with, um, uh, you know, um, there's more awareness around not just like, like, you know, racial diversity, but diversity in all forms. I think we're really just like kind of dismantling these like 
old structures and systems that are really like restrictive and and um, I just see a world where we are enjoying and embracing um, all of different expressions and diversity in all forms and and um, thank you so much for starting this podcast <laughs> oh, thank you so much I'm so glad I haven't actually had anyone talking about like love or anyone and these are these topics are so close to my heart for sure especially the you know because I think I don't know for me I've always grown up in a very multicultural environment my dad worked in international development so we had people from all over the world like they would come and live with us in our home so I never knew anything I didn't see and I was always taught everybody is the same and everybody is equal it doesn't matter what they look like what they what they so that and and being from Vancouver as you know like such a you know we have so many different diverse cultures here so I've always been introduced to that uh, you know I, I'm used to that and then it's funny I see people and some people like they really want to stick close to their own culture and and that's fine I mean everybody can do what they want but for me I'm like I always want to learn something more I want to learn something new I want to be with people who are different and learn from them and listen to them and be curious because I am naturally curious because I want to know like I don't think my way is the only way and what I know is that I've learned so much from other people and their ways of doing things and sometimes it works for me and sometimes it not it's not but I still find it I find it fascinating. And I think it's important that we hold on to those things as well and, and like allow those things to flourish and share, both share what we know and hold on to the traditions of the places where we came from and then also be open to learning other things at the same time. So I feel like inter intermixing and all of this is really one of the keys to healing the future. And you guys are going to have the cutest babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah, thank you for that. I, I definitely, you know, maybe we can chat Later on, maybe it could be a different episode about parenting. It's definitely one of the topics that I've been start. I started studying when I was like in my twenties about conscious parenting. It's like oh, I'm ready. Well, I can't say I'm fully ready, but definitely uh, we can talk some more about. Oh yeah, that's a whole other topic. I have, I've been thinking about doing more parenting <laughs> stuff too because yeah. that's a whole other. Oh my gosh, talk about spiritual growth. If you want to, I know a lot of spiritual people are choosing not to have children, and that's mm-hmm. great. You know, everybody has to follow their own path. But I will tell you, from my experience, being a parent is the most. It's like talk about having a mirror right in front of your face of like all your own stuff. You know, it's like uh, yeah, it's like what what is this? You know, I'm, I'll be like, where did he learn that? I'll be like, oh gosh, he learned that from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness anyway thank you so much please tell everyone one more time where can they find you and connect with you if anyone wants to learn more about all of the wonderful work that you do oh yes so um yeah thanks again for having me uh and i am over at raindancerhome.com so that is like my main website a lot of the offerings and different events and other goodies you'll find there. Um, it is um, modestly updated. And uh, so every time there's something new, I do make sure that uh, that pages in the website are updated. Otherwise, you can also find me on Instagram. I am trying to up my Instagram game. Um, I'm over at raindancer.home. So there's like a little dot in the middle of um, raindancer and home. Um, also on Facebook uh, at raindancer that home as well if you just go facebook.com slash home that is my business page and um yeah i'm gonna be actually i'm in the middle of planning a summit um all about uh you know sustainable success and uh so there'll be more about that um if you go onto my website you can uh there's gonna be a little pop-up if you would like um like a free framework and a guide to go from 
stress and burnout and sacrifice. Because uh, <laughs> usually, you know, that's what we've been trained. It's like, oh, you know, success looks a certain way and um, we've been so programmed for that. Uh, but really, you know, I'm all about turning that into um, wholeness, wellness and sustainability. So there's a beautiful framework that's actually based on um, some of my trainings, uh, learnings uh, with the medicine wheel. You can just download that for free on my website. Um, otherwise, you can just stay connected and you'll know what's happening um, in the coming months. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming and thank you for sharing so openly and um, personally about so many things, but it's such a, such a beautiful story. You have such a um, beautiful heart and your love story is just so beautiful. And really it gave me being at your wedding and being invited to be a part of it was really, um, it was very special for me. And it really filled me again with that, like, oh, it's possible like that, you know, cause it's so hard, you know, watching, having had my own experiences and then watching so many people I know go through so many disastrous relationships when when you see something that really feels like true love, it's, it's exciting. And I know that that doesn't mean that, you know, you guys, you know, doesn't mean everything is perfect, but I feel that I really feel that spark of true love between you both. So I'm just thrilled that you found each other and um, yeah, I look forward to all that, all that blossoms from that. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's been such a joy and pleasure and I hope to get to connect with you more in a few yes. Anytime. <laughs> okay. Lots of love. <laughs> Lots of love. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.